In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Our Bible study tonight from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 14. Uh, actually, today we'll study only from chapter, verse 1 to verse 14, half of, of the chapter. Chapter 14 continues the final instruction and guidance of our Lord Jesus Christ to his apostles before his arrest and crucifixion. So this discourse happened on Covenant Thursday after the Lord ate the Passover with his disciples and after he gave them his body and his blood after he washed their feet, after he told them about the betrayal of Judas, and after Judas left. So only the 11 heard this discourse that is in chapter 14. These instructions began in chapter 13 from verse 31 and continue through chapter 16. And in the Holy Week, uh, the first hour of the eve of Good Friday, we read actually chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. We read these four chapters and we call them the chapters of the Paraclete, the Holy Spirit. Actually, in, uh, in these uh, chapters, there are three farewell talks. One concerning the Father, the second concerning the Son, and the third concerning the Holy Spirit. So the Lord Jesus Christ spoke about the Father, then the Son, then the Holy Spirit. We can actually divide chapter 14 into six sections. The first section from verse 1 to 6 the way, the truth, and the life. Then from 7 to 11, the Father is revealed. Uh, from 12 to 14, the answer to prayer. From 15 to 18, Jesus promises another helper. Uh, from 19 to 24, in the willing of the Father and the Son. And from 25, to 31, the gift of his peace. Uh, today, we'll actually take the first three sections, as I told you, till verse 14 only. So let's start reading from verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So, in, in chapter 13 was concluded by the Lord telling the people about, or telling his disciples about Judas the traitor who will betray him. So the indication of Judas as a traitor, also the announcement of the Lord's departure, and also the prophecy about Peter's denial, the last verse in chapter 13, 
was about the denial of Peter when the Lord told him, you will deny me three times. All these, uh, if I call them negative uh, event, uh, definitely made the hearts of the disciples be troubled. Uh, also, the Lord, in his foreknowledge, he foreknew that the apostles were about to face other troubles from the Jews far greater than anything they perceived or understood at this moment. So as the father, as the good shepherd, he wanted to calm the anxious thoughts um, that he is reading in their souls. He wanted to grant them his peace that surpasses all understanding. That's why he told them, let not your heart be troubled. And I want to explain here, there is a big difference when any one of us say to another person, don't worry, let your heart not be troubled. And when the Lord say it, when the Lord say it in his word, there is a power that casts away any fear, any anxiety, any worry from the hearts of the people. So when the Lord said, let not your hearts be troubled, there was a power in this word that granted the disciples his peace, that uh, removed also any worry, any fear, any troubles, any anxiety from their heart. And what is the treatment? The cure is faith. The cure of anxiety, the cure of any trouble is faith. That's why he told them, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So because of your faith, your heart should not be troubled. You believe in the absolute goodness of God. You believe in the absolute goodness of God. And this faith can sustain your mind in these events where fear and worry and anxiety uh, will, will attack your heart. Even if you are walking in the shadow of death, even when you see me crucified on the cross, if you believe in God, your heart will not be troubled. So now he told them, you believe in God. That is the main reason of your consolation. You believe in God, the eternal God, in all his revelation in the Old Testament. You know how God actually parted the Red Sea into two and let the children of Israel walk through the Red Sea. In all the wars before entering the Promised Land, you saw the uh, power and strength of God. You believe in God, you should not be afraid, you should not be troubled. And now I am asking you to believe also in me. Uh, and when you believe in me, 
this actually, uh, because I am one with the Father, Father is with me, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. So if you believe in God, you will realize the presence of God the Father in me. How God the Father is manifested in me, His Son. So what our Lord Jesus Christ is teaching here, the disciples, is the reality of the fatherhood of God as a living power, always, always present with them and in them. He teaches them that the love of God the Father is revealed in the person of His Son. That's why God the Father sent His Son to become man, to die on the cross to save us. So when we see the Son, we see in Him the manifestation of the Father, the love of the Father, the power of the Father, the justice of the Father, the mercies of the Father. Verse 2, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, the Lord, is, he, he has told them that he is departing. And he wants to assure them that where he goes, there are also places for them. But these places are not just places. These are mansions, which means we will reign with him. We will reign with him. So when he said, in my father's house, father's house is where? In the heaven. Heaven is the special place, special dwelling place of God the Father. Many mansions means there is room for every person who believe in God from Adam to the end of the ages. So there is plenty of rooms, plenty of mansions to accommodate all the believers, those who believed in God from Adam to the end of the ages. So the Lord assures us that God the Father has many, many children, and the heaven is enough to hold all of them. The disciples were grieving when they heard about his departure. Now the Lord Jesus Christ is consoling them. No, where I will be, you will be there also. So you don't have to be troubled. I am going home, but also you will be with me in the same place.
And God the Father has one son, the only begotten son. But he sent his son as bridegroom. And when we accept Jesus to be our bridegroom, and we marry him, we are united with him, then in Jesus, although God the Father has one begotten Son, but through our union with the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be children of God the Father. That's why the Lord said after his resurrection, I am going to my Father and your Father. You who believe in me, God the Father will be your Father. That's why the Church and the Lord Jesus Christ himself taught us when we address God the Father to tell him, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So he is telling them, in my Father's house, there is not only one mansion for the only begotten Son, but there is abiding place for all the children of the Father. And now he is drawing their mind from the earthly kingdom to the heavenly kingdom. Because the Jewish understanding of the Messiah that he will come to establish and to restore the earthly kingdom of David. But now God is taking their attention from the earthly kingdom to the heavenly one. Saint Jerome says, in spite of the variety of heavenly glory, in heaven each one will have different glory, as we read in first Corinthians chapter 15, star is different from another star in glory. The glory of the martyrs will be different from the glory of the saints, different from the glory of the anchorite, different from the glory of the hermits, uh, etc. So in spite of the variety of heavenly glory, yet everyone will enjoy being in the same place. All of us will be in the Father's house. The Lord has ascended there to prepare many mansions. Indeed, he will prepare one kingdom and all will have fellowship in it. Consequently, all will feel content and satisfied even though the glory of each star will differ from that of the other. That's what Saint Jerome said. Then he told them, I will go to prepare a place for you. In verse 2, I go to prepare a place for you. What does it mean to prepare a place for us in heaven? By his resurrection from the dead, we will be raised. Because now he is the first fruit of those who will depart in peace. And by his ascension to heaven as our forerunner, 
He opened the road to heaven. And by his sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, as we read in Romans chapter 8, he is preparing for us a place in heaven. So, by his resurrection, by his ascension, by sitting at the right hand of the Father, by making intercession on our behalf, that is how he is preparing a place for us in heaven. Verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, second coming, and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. If I go and prepare a place for you, when and after I have died, ascended, and by all these acts, and through my intercession on your behalf before the Father, I will make the heaven ready for you. Then in the last day, when I return again on my second coming, as judge to judge the world, I will take you up into heaven, that you may be partakers of my glory. I will come again, but the Lord actually is ever coming. In his resurrection, he appeared to the disciples. Then after his ascension, he sent us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is uniting us with Christ through the sacraments of the church. And we have Jesus with us in every divine liturgy bodily, as we say in the fraction, behold, Emmanuel, our God, is with us today on this table. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are united with him. That's why in our hymns we say, Emmanuel, our God, is now in our midst. Yes, he will come again to judge the world, but he is ever coming. I will come again in my glory and power and in victory because as I have trodden over death and heads, you also be victorious in me. And I will take you with me that where I am, there you may be also. This thought that we will be with him grant us this feeling of peace extreme peace that will be with him also the apostles when they heard these words because they were very anxious that he will depart and leave them when they heard there you may be also this actually gives them peace. They felt his love. He wanted to be united with them as they wanted to be one with him. Uh, so the Lord now is assuring us that we'll be 
very, very close will be one with him. That's why his heaven, his dwelling place will be our heaven and our dwelling place too. And actually, this wonderful idea that we will be with him where he is, or where he is, sorry, this was spread quickly among the believers. We read in the first Thessalonians chapter 4, which was written 20 years after the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, less than 20 years. We read St. Paul is comforting the believers about those who died in Christ by saying they will be with him forever. They will be forever with the Lord. This uh, belief, this doctrine that will be with him forever comforts us about our destiny and comfort us regarding those who departed from us. And the Lord here is assuring them also that he will return to them again to receive them to himself and then will start the eternal abiding with Christ, with the Father and with the Holy Spirit and with all the saints in the eternal kingdom. Verse 4 and where I go, you know, and the way, you know. As if the Lord told them, you ought to have known where I am going and the way. Uh, I'll told you very frequently about where I am coming from and where I will go and I explain to you the way that through suffering and dying on the cross through my self-sacrifices this actually the road of uh, the victory and my ascension to heaven I will give my life as ransom for many I will lay, lay down my life and I will take it up again. So you know the way and you know also where I am going. So at least they should understood as he told them, if you want to be my disciple, carry your cross and follow me. So where I'm going is heaven and the way by carrying your cross and following me. That is the way. You know, the, you know where I am going and you know the way. But apparently the disciples did not, un, did not know where he was going or the way. That's why in verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? If we don't know where you are going, how can we know the way? Thomas asked the question 
with certain sadness and fear of the issues which he could not grasp. So, as if, if I'm telling you now, and you know the, the interpretation of this verse. So, if you don't know, you will ask me, no, we don't. So, Thomas said to the Lord, no, I don't. I don't know where you are going. I don't know the way. You assumed that we grasped where you are going and the way, but in reality, we don't. The question here showed the great love of Thomas toward his master. He wanted actually to know where he is going that he may follow him. He wants to know the way that he may follow him. And this is a character of Thomas as revealed to us in the four Gospels. The anxious disciple who is actually striving intellectually to know the truth and the reality. Like after resurrection he said, if I don't put my hand, I will not believe in the place of the wounds. So, there is honesty here and sincerity of the purpose of his question. He's asking the question to know where he is going. Uh, so, as if he admit, he's admitting his own ignorance and asking for explanation. The Lord in his teaching, he was stressing upon the way. But in Thomas' question, he was stressing upon where you are going. So the Lord told them, you know the way. But Thomas is saying, if we don't know where you are going, then we will not know the way. So Thomas' mind was seeking measured certainty. He want like something concrete. Here is the, uh, the way, here is the, the, the destiny. When Thomas heard about the many mansions in the Father's house, that they will be with the Lord, he could not grasp, he could not understand what the Lord meant by all these words. Uh, Thomas, affected by the Jewish understanding, he thought that the Messiah would be an earthly kingdom. And so now in his mind, where is this royal home for the Messiah? Where are these dwelling places for all of us? That you said you are going first and then we will follow you. He did not grasp that God is speaking about heaven. He is still thinking about the earth, where you are going. Thomas' difficulty is that not knowing the goal, they cannot know the way. So Thomas told him, if I don't know the destiny, if I don't know the goal, how can I know the way? When the Lord answered Thomas, he actually explained to him both the goal or the destiny 
and the way. So the Lord replied to Thomas in verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thomas wished to know about the goal. The Lord Jesus Christ showed for him as well as for all of us, it is more important to know the way. Because our Lord Jesus Christ is not only the way, but he is the leader. He will go before us as a leader, as an example. And he hold our hand step by step in the way till we, till we reach the goal. And by his teaching, he is telling us the doctrine of our salvation. And by his example, he opened the road to heaven through his obedience to the Father, through his self-sacrifice, through his death on the cross. And he is the only way. There is no other way to the Father except him. No one comes to the Father except through me. Many people say, we know people who are not believers, not Christian. They don't believe in Jesus. But we know they are good people. Can they be saved? The Lord said, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the only way. He is the way to heaven. He entered into the heaven by himself, by his own blood. And he opened the way through him to those who believe in him. So when I believe in him and I abide in him, in him, I will have access to heaven and to the Father. Away from him, I will not have access to the Father or to the heaven. And he is not only true, but he is the truth himself. All the symbols in the Old Testament, all the shadows, all the promises, all the prophecies of the Old Testament were fulfilled in him. So he is the truth of all the symbols, shadows, promises, and prophecies. There is no true path, there is no true way other than him. And this way lead to what? To the life. Life can be found only in him. The Lord Jesus Christ is the author and giver of life whether natural, spiritual, or eternal. Christ is the only way of access unto the Father. So if we put these three words together, way, truth, and life, we can say Jesus is the only true way to life. The only true truth way, I am the way to life. I am the way, truth, and life. And 
that in the Gospel of St. John, this is the sixth time the Lord using the word I am. I am is a clear reference to Jehovah, Yahweh. When the Lord appeared to Moses in Exodus chapter 4, he told him, I am who I am, Yahweh. Yahweh means, or Jehovah means, I am. When the Lord used the word I am, he is revealing his divinity. I am God. So he said so far in the Gospel of John, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. And here I am the way, the truth, and the life. And every time the Lord Jesus Christ uses this expression, he is stating his divinity and his oneness with God the Father. So the Lord here, once again, he expresses his oneness and unity with the Father by saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. St. Augustine writes, that in this passage it is as though Jesus was asking all of us by which route do you want to go I am the way to where do you want to go I am the truth where do you want to remain I am the life so every man can attain an understanding of the truth and the life any man can have this knowledge about the truth and the life. But not all find the way. The wise of this world realize that God is eternal life and knowable truth. But the locus of God, the word of God, Jesus, who is the truth life, joined to the Father, has become the way by taking a human nature, by his incarnation. Make your way contemplating his humility and you will reach God. So, if I want to summarize what St. Augustine is saying, any wise person can say, God is the life and God is the truth. But how to know the way? You cannot know the way unless if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the way is to follow him to carry your cross and to follow him as he humbled himself and sacrificed himself on the cross in the same way when we carry our cross and we follow him and in him we will reach God the Father. Verse 7 If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. The word known uh, in Greek language can be one of two words that are not identical in meaning. One word means knowing by observation. 
And the other word mean knowing by reflection. So the meaning here, if you had recognized me by reflecting on my teaching, by reflecting on my uh, works, if you had recognized me, you would have known my father also, because I am the manifestation of the father. You can see the father in me because I am in the father and the father is in me. If you had recognized it, who I really am, you would have known that I and the father are one. So when the Lord told them, if you had known me, these are words of reproach. As if he is gently rebuking Thomas. I have been with you for three years and until now you are asking where you are going and what is the way sadly the disciples who had lived with him for three years and had accompanied him during his ministry his journeys his retreats had not come yet to know him as they should have known him they still retained to a large extent the Jewish understanding, the Jewish mind respecting the Messiah, that he is an earthly king, did not fully understand that Jesus, the true Messiah, has to die and to be raised from the dead, and he is not here to establish an earthly kingdom. If you had known me, you would have known my father because the knowledge of the father and of Christ go together hand in hand. The disciples had some knowledge of them both, but to a very small and obscure. But after the resurrection and after the coming down of the the Holy Spirit, this knowledge of the father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit became clearer and clearer. That's why the Lord told them, and from now on, you know him, the Father, and have seen him, have seen the Father in me. Verse eight, but Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Because he told them you have seen him. So Philip, like Thomas, in a certain hesitation, corresponding of his want of apprehension, has not yet understood you know him and have seen him. He did not understand the word of Christ when he told them about the Father, you have known him and have seen him. So, the Lord meant you have seen the manifestation of the Father in me because I and the Father are one. But Philip was looking for theophany. Theophany means revelation of God, manifestation of God. Maybe as Moses asked God to to show him himself, 
In the Old Testament, God manifested himself in various ways to the prophets. Maybe Philip want one of these manifestations to be revealed to them. And he told them, and it is sufficient. Just let us see the Father, one of the manifestations of the Father, and I will be satisfied. So the Lord in verse 9 told him, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? The battery is dying. So the Lord replied to Philip in a tone of sadness and also as if he is warning him. Philip is one of the disciples who followed the Lord from the very, very beginning of his ministry. He's the one who called Nathaniel to, uh, to follow, to, to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he told him, we have seen the Messiah. So, how you have been with me all this time, and now you, did, you didn't know me, as if you didn't know what is the purpose of my works, what is the purpose of my life among you here? He's asking for the revelation of the Father. He's asking that the absolute God, God the Father, be unveiled and uh, to see him. But the Lord is telling him the revelation of the Father has been constantly going on before your eyes through me, his only begotten Son. And as if the Lord is saying, there is no right understanding of the Son of Jesus Christ until we see the Father in him, because we cannot separate them from, uh, from each other. The Lord Jesus Christ is not known in his humanity and we cannot understand his teaching and his works and the purpose of his life on earth until the divine personality, his divinity, flashes through him and his union with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus had already shown works that should be enough evidence for Philip and the rest of the apostles to believe that Jesus and the Father are one. Verse 10, he told him, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I don't speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. So he's telling him, at least there are two evidences. 
the word when I told you I, I and the father one you should believe this because I am the truth and if you don't believe my word believe my work have you seen anybody walking on the water have you seen anybody commanding the wind to calm down and we listen to him have you seen anybody feed the multitude from five loaves and two fish have you seen anybody has authority to forgive sins on earth have you seen anybody cured the blind even a man who was born blind have you seen anybody raised the dead it's only God who can control nature and give life so how come until now you don't believe that I and the father are one I am in the father and the father in me so here Philip is chastised for not recognizing the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ through all these signs even though Jesus appeared like a man in his teaching the Lord taught this truth to the Jews I and the Father are one but the word of Philip or the question of Philip seemed to show that even the disciples did not fully receive it that he and the Father are one as if the Lord is saying to Philip listen this surely is as it must need to be and ought to be as entity of your faith that I am in the Father and the Father is in me I and the Father are one this is actually the foundation of our faith we see God through faith he told him the words that I speak this refers not only to his present teaching on, on covenant Thursday but to the whole manifestation of the character and attribute of God during his ministry all his words from the beginning of his ministry had been a revelation of the father but Philip did not recognize this and now he is saying show us the father also the works manifested in time in the power of the incarnated word of God are not his works but the father who abides in son and is revealed through the son then he, this section is concluded by verse 11 when the Lord said now the Lord not speaking only to Philip but to the eleven he told them believe me that I am in the father and the father in me believe my word or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves so in verse 11 it is last appeal to believe him but the, now the Lord turned from the Philip to the whole group of the apostles the son is the ordained and perfect manifestation of the father 
that his own word for this ought to be uh, to his disciples enough. My word, when I told you I and the Father are one, this should be enough for you. But if you still doubt, my work should remove this doubt. So there were two grounds on which they should believe. His testimony and his work. Now, the Lord is placing before them the evidence that he placed before the Jews. The testimony and the work. So he's telling, if you are not going to believe my testimony, believe me for the sake of the work that I have done. These works of his were designed merely to aid the weak faith. So my miracles, my work, designed to support people who have weak faith. And you, my disciples, will repeat the same work when you preach the gospel, when you receive the power of the Holy Spirit in order to support people who have weak faith. Then the last three verses in our Bible study tonight, verse 12, 13, and 14, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the work that I do he will do also. As I told you, Jesus performed this work to support the people who had weak faith. Now the the apostles will go and preach. So the Lord will give them the power to do the same work in order to support the faith of people who have weak faith. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. Because I go to my Father, I am departing, I am ascending to heaven. And whatever you ask in my name, like John and Peter when they said to the paralytic man, in the name of Jesus, arise and walk. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Whatever you ask, I will do it. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. When we ask something in the name of the Son and the Father will listen to the prayer, then the Father actually will be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So Jesus promised that before he leaves this world, they will have a share in his power. Before I ascend to heaven, you will have share in my power. You will do the same works, no, greater works than what I have done. And he offers a fresh ground of consolation. Another thing to comfort them about his departure, based on double consideration. Number one, his departure of them, and he will go to heaven. But although he depart, as he said before his ascension, 
I will be, I will be with you always unto the end of the ages. So he's still with us through the Holy Spirit, through the sacrament of the church, through the Eucharistia, Eucharist. And also, uh, the world, when they reflect on the faith of the disciples and realize the union of the disciples with God, this actually will help them to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So now the Lord is throwing arm of his love around the disciples. Not only around the eleven, but all the believers. Whoever believe in me, uh, he will do the same works. So as if he is, in a sense, he's drawing us into his own divinity. So those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will be one with him. And in this union, they will be children of the Father. And the Father will be dwelling in them as he is in the Son. And the believer will be an instrument of God. As God, the Father, performed work through his Son, he also will perform work through us. And the very works that the Son had performed, healing, helping men, raising the dead, preaching the glad tidings to the poor and needy, all these the believers will be able to do. And the Lord said, not only these works, but greater works than these. This doesn't mean the apostles will be greater than Jesus, but they will perform greater work than what the Lord did. So we can understand that the Lord will work in us greater works than what he did during these three years of his incarnation. For example, we read about uh, Simon the Tanner and uh, Abraham ibn Zara, how they moved the mountain. The Lord in his three years did not move a mountain. But here they moved the mountain not because they are greater than Jesus, absolutely not. But the Lord Jesus Christ performed in them this greater work. And also, we should not understand the greater work only as individual instance of miraculous power, but the life of the Holy Church, the work of the Holy Church, even the example of the moving the mountain, the Holy Church prayed and fasted together. So it is not a work of one person, but all the church prayed and, worked and, and fasted together. 
And the day of Pentecost witnessed the first fulfillment of this prophecy. Uh, when actually people spoke in tongue and 3,000 persons believed by the preaching of Peter. And until now, this prophecy is fulfilled in every generation. Uh, and the Lord told them, and will do greater works because I go to my father, because I go to my father. Uh, so on the cross, we see the humiliation of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the resurrection and ascension, we see the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so, here on, on, on earth, in his humiliation, he did work, but after his exaltation, he will perform greater works through the apostles. And we can see how the earthly work of Jesus Christ have ceased after his ascension, because he ascended to the Father, but the believers will be his representative, and he will be their representative in heaven, and in them he will perform greater works. So as if he is saying, when he said, you will do greater work because I go to the Father, as if he is saying, this work will be greater because I will be at the right hand of, of the Father, exalted there, and whatever you ask of me, and I'm interceding on your behalf before the Father, he will listen to you. Whatever you ask in my name, this means, as my representative on earth, as persons doing my work, living in my spirit, seeking as I have sought to do the will of the Father, so whatever you ask, the Father will do it to you. Uh, but asking in my name doesn't mean just when we conclude our prayer, we we'll say, through Jesus Christ our Lord. But it means more and above and beyond this. Means praying and working as the representative of Christ in the same spirit that Christ prayed with and worked with, the spirit that is declared when he said, I am here not to do my will, but your will. So when we have the same spirit and we do the work of Christ in the same way, whatever we ask in his name, will be granted to us. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. This gives us a condition of successful prayer. It must be for the glory of God and the furtherness of the kingdom of Christ on earth. So any prayer with the goal that the kingdom of Christ will spread on earth will be answered. But if I'm praying for my own glory, it might not be answered. So last verse, verse 14. 
if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. This verse actually is repetition of the width of the promise and its condition. This promise referred particularly to the apostles in their work of spreading the gospel. However, this promise is true for all Christians. If we ask something in faith and according to the will of God, in the name of Jesus, we will have it. Though we are not worthy, but God the Father loves us on account of his Son because he sees in us the image of Christ. So when the Father sees in us the image of his Son, that's why he will listen to us. And as I said, calling on his name or by his name, we reveal that we are calling upon his divine presence. So it is believing in his divine uh, uh, presence. That's why in all the divine mysteries and sacrament, as well as in our personal prayer, uh, the priest or the believer proclaim in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So all our prayers will be in the presence of the Holy Trinity. This actually conclude uh, half of the chapter, verse 14, uh, conclude our Bible study tonight. I will give summary in Arabic. Sah Talatashar, Sah Labdida, ربنا يسوع المسيح بعد ما أكل الفصح وبعد ما غسل أرجل التلاميذ وبعد ما أعطاهم جسد ودمه ابتدى يعلن لهم عن خيانة يهوذا وخرج يهوذا وبعدين السيد المسيح أعلن لهم على إنكار بطرس وطبعا أعلن لهم إن هو هيسلم للأمم وهيصلبوه وقال لهم كده ان بعد قليل لن ترونني كل الاخبار دي خلتهم يبقوا قلقانين مضطربين فكأب وكراعي صالح ربنا حب يطمنهم فابتدى يقول لهم لا تضطرب قلوبكم لا تضطرب قلوبكم اي نعم قلت لكم إن يهوذا هيخني ويسلمني وبطرس هينكرني وأنا هأسلم إلى الموت ومش هتشوفوني ومش هبقى معاكم لكن بالرغم من كل ده ما تقلقوش ولما ربنا بيقول لا تخافوا أو لا تضطرب قلوبكم تختلف تماما عن إن واحد مننا يجي يقول لواحد بص يا حبيبي ما تخافش لأن ربنا لما بيقول لا تضطرب هذه الكلمات تحمل قوة لتنزع كل اضطراب وكل ألأ وكل خوف من قلب السامع لهو أقبلها بإيمان وعلشان كده ربنا قال لهم العلاج بتاع الألأ والعلاج بتاع الاضطراب هو الإيمان لا تضطرب قلوبكم أنتم تؤمنون بالله أنتم شفتوا عمل ربنا في العهد القديم شفتوا زي ربنا لما بني إسرائيل كان قصادهم البحر ووراهم فرعون وكل مراكبه فتح لهم طريق في البحر الأنين من إيه لا تضطرب قلوبكم 
أنتم تؤمنون بالله ولأني أنا ابن الله المولود من الآب قبل كل الظهور وفي ملء الزمان تجسدت بإيد بينكم ومفروض أنت شفتوا ربنا فيا شفتوا الآب فيا فأنتم تؤمنون بالله فأمنوا بي ولما تأمنوا بي ويكون لكم إيمان فيا حتى لما تشوفوني ضعيف أو في مصدر الضعف على الصليب قلبكم مش هيضعف ومش هيتهز أنا قلت لكم إن أنا هترككم لكن أنا رايح عند أبي وفي بيت أبي منازل كثيرة في بيت أبي مش مجرد منزل واحد ليا لكن في منازل كثيرة لكل واحد منكم لكل مؤمن يؤمن بي أي نعم أنا الوريث الوحيد لإني الإبن الوحيد الله له ابن وحيد ولكن الله أرسلني إلى العالم كعريس عشان كل من يؤمن بي يبقى هو العروس هيتحد ويصير واحدا معايا وفيا يصير ابن لله الآب وزي ما أنا برث أنتم هتورثوا إن كنا أبناء فنحن ورثة في بيت أبي منازل كثيرة حنا الآية دي ناس بتقرأها غلط فخلينا أقرأها لكم صح ونقف فين لأن لو تقرد غلط بتتفهم غلط يعني بعض أحيانا الناس يقروها إزاي في بيت أبي منازل كثيرة وإلا فإني كنت قد قلت لكم أنا أمضي لأعد لكم مكان فهنا المعنى مش مفهوم منين بتيجي تقول إن في بيت أبي منازل كثيرة وبعدين بتقول عشان كده أنا راح أعد لكم مكان فدي قرايه غلط إنما القرايه الصح في بيت أبي منازل كثيرة وإلا فإني كنت قد قلت لكم يعني لو ما كانش في منازل ليكم في السماء كنت قلت لكم لكن لأن في منازل كثيرة في السماء فأنا بقول لكم في منازل تكفي كل مؤمن بي من أول آدم من آخر الدور ولو الوضع مش كده كنت قلت لكم ولو الوضع مش كده أنا كنت قلت لكم يبقى الوقفة بعد قد قلت لكم في بيت أبي منازل كثيرة وإلا فإني كنت قد قلت لكم يعني لو ما كانش في منازل كثيرة كنت قلت لكم وبعدين بيقول أنا أمضي لأعد لكم مكانا يعني إيه لأعد لكم مكانا أنا أمضي أنا رايح دلوقتي للصليب لأن ما هو أنت مش تقدروا تخشوا السماء غير لما أنا تصلب مش تقدروا تخشوا السماء غير لما أنا أقوم مش تقدروا تخشوا السماء غير لما أنا أصعد وأدخل السماء بدمي مش تقدروا تخشوا السماء غير لما أنا أقف عن يمين الآب أو أجلس عن يمين الآب وأكون شفيع لكم زي ما بولس ذكر في رمية تمانية ده معنى أعد لكم مكانا يبقى أعد لكم مكانا مش معنى رح يوضب مكان كده لا عايز أقول أنا أمضي للصليب وللقيامة 
وللصعود والجلوس عن يمين الاب لان هو ده اللي هيفتح لكم الطريق للسماء من غير كده مفيش طريق للسماء فانا امضي انتوا ليه متضايقين ان انا سايبكم ده انا سايبكم علشان اعد لكم مكان وان مضيت واعددت لكم مكان بصعودي للسماء انا جاي جاي تاني المجيء الثاني للمسيح واخذكم الي حتى حيث اكون انا تكونون انتم ايضا انتوا زعلانين ملأ الحزن قلوبكم لان قلت لكم انا ماضي لا انا جاي تاني جاي اخذكم وهتعيشوا معايا الى الابد الى ابد الابدين وده الفكر اللي بيعزي الكنيسه لغايه النهارده في انتقال احد المؤمنين وبيعزينا كلنا ان احنا عارفين ان احنا مهما كانت ضيقات العالم مهما كانت الالام اللي بنشوفها في العالم لكن عارفين احنا لينا مكان في السماء مع المسيح حيث يمسح كل دمع من عيوننا الموضع الذي هرب منه الحزن والكآبة والتنهد في نور قدسين ولكن بالرغم الآل وأنا آتي أنا آتي أيضا أفهمها بمعنيين مجيء التاني ده المعنى ولكن أيضا هو موجود معانا قبل الصعود قال لتلاميذها أنا معكم كل الأيام وإلى انقضاء الظهر معنا كل يوم على المذبح هو كائن معنا على هذه المائدة اليوم عمانوئيل إلهنا هو كائن معنا لأن احنا واحد فيه يقول ألا تعلمون أن كل من اعتمد قد لبس المسيح فهو موجود معنا وبعدين قال لهم وأنتم تعلمون مفروض أن تكونوا عرفتوا من تعليمي طوال الثلاث سنين اللي فاتت دولت ومن أعمالي مفروض تكون عرفتوا حيث أنا أذهب وعارفين الطريق لأن أنا قلت لكم ابن الإنسان سيسلم إلى أيدي الأمم ويصلبون ويقتلون وفي اليوم الثالث يقوم فمفروض تكون عارفين الطريق وقلت لكم اللي عايز يكون لي تلميذ يحمل صليبه ويتبعني فأنتوا مفروض تكونوا عارفين أنا رايح فين أنا مش الوسية حسب المفهوم اليهودي اللي جاي أعيد مملكة داود وجاي علشان أعمل مملكة أرضية لا مفروض تبقوا عارفين أن أنا مملكتي ليست من هذا العالم وعارفين الطريق أن الطريق للسماء هو الصليب كنا نتألم معه فإننا نتماجد معه ثم ما فهمش كل اللي قاله المسيح ده فرح قال له يا سيد لسنا نعلم أين تذهب فكيف نقدر أن نعرف الطريق توما لغاية دلوقتي بيفكر بالفكر اليهودي فين يا رب الأسر اللي هتبنيه ده على الأرض مالك إسرائيل اللي هيكون فيه أماكن لينا كلنا فين ده يا رب فإن كنا مش عارفين فين الأسر ده هنعرف الطريق فين ربنا بيركز على الطريق إنما توما عايز يعرف فين المكان وزي ما القديس أغسطينوس قال أي حد ممكن يبقى عارف أن الله هو الإله الحقيقي لكن لو ما عرفش المسيح يبقى مش يعرف الطريق فهذه المعرفة بالله مش هتفيده بشيء 
إلا لو عرف المسيح لأن المسيح ده هو الطريق عشان كده ربنا رد على توما وقال له أنا الطريق والحق والحياة لو أنت عايز تعرف الطريق امشي ورا يسوع روح وراء جثماني وروح وراء الجلجثة واحمل صليبك وامشي وراء هو ده الطريق ولو انت متلخبط في طوائف كتيرة وفي أديان كتيرة هو الحق وأثبت ان هو الحق بشهادة الآب بشهادة النبوات بشهادة يوحنا المعمدان بشهادة العلم بالأعمال التي عملها هو الحق وهو الحياة لأن هو واهب الحياة للعالم واهب الحياة الأرضية والأبدية فهو الطريق الحقيقي الذي يؤدي إلى الحياة عايز تعرف يا توما أنا رايح فين امشي ورايا لا يوجد طريق غيري احمل صليبك وتعالى ورايا محدش صعد السماء غيري فلما تبقى فيا هتقدر تصل للآب مش كده قال ليس أحد يأتي إلى الآب إلا بي هتولي أي دين تاني مؤسس هذا الدين صعد وجلس عن يمين الآب لا يوجد الوحيد هو المسيح فكل من هو في المسيح هيبقى له وصول للآب وله وصول للسماء ليس أحد يأتي إلى الآب إلا بين لو كنتم قد عرفتموني لو كنت عرفت أنا مين بجد إن أنا ابن الله الآب لعرفتم أبي أيضا إحنا كتير علاقتنا منحصرة في الابن وأحيانا نفكر إن الابن هو الآب هو الروح القدس ودي هرتقة هرتقة سابيليوس وكنيسة حرمتها أي نعم الآب والابن وروح القدس هم واحد هم في بعض ولكن الآب غير الابن غير الروح القدس ومن يعرف الابن حقيقة هيعرف من يعرف المولود يعرف الوالد فليعرف الابن يعرف الآب لأن الابن أعلن لنا من هو الآب لو كنتم قد عرفتموني لعرفتم أبي أيضا لكن أنتم معرفتكم ضئيلة دلوقتي بعد صعودي بعد صليبي وقيامتي وصعودي وحلول الروح القدس هتعرفوه ومن الآن تعرفونه هتخش في شركة الثالوث القدوس مش كده في أي قداس نقول محبة الله الآب نعمة الابن الوحيد شركة الروح القدس هتخش في هذه الشركة وقد رأيتموه 
رأيت الآب في الابن رأينا الآب في ابنه يسوع المسيح لأن الابن أعلن لنا من هو الآب برضو الكلام ده الرسل ما استوعبهوش ففيلوبس سأله قال له يا سيد أرنا الآب وكفانا انت منين بتقول احنا رأيناه احنا عايزين نشوف الآب زي ما موسى كده طلب من ربنا قال له أرني مجدك انا عايزين نشوف الآب وبس مش هنطلب حاجة تاني لو احنا شفنا الآب خلاص فربنا عاتب فيلوبس خصوصا فيلوبس ده كان واحد من التلاميذ اللي أمنوا بالمسيح من أول أوائل التلاميذ اللي أمنوا بالمسيح وهو اللي راح لنسنائيل وقال له تعالى قد وجدنا المسيح قال له أنا معكم زمانا هذه مدته ولم تعرفني يا فيلوبس أنا معكم ثلاث سنين عمال أقولك أنا والآب واحد زي في يوحنا عشرة والأعمال اللي شفتها كل ده ومش عارف أنا مين مش عارف أن الذي رآني فقد رأى الآب كيف تقول أنت أرنا الآب ما الآب يعلن في ابنه إزاي بتقول أرنا الآب هو أنت لغاية دلوقتي لا تؤمن أن أنا في الآب والآب فيا أنا كل الكلام اللي أنا قلته من أول يوم في كراستي لغاية النهاردة كل الكلام ده أنا ما قلتوش من نفسي لكن الآب الحال فيا هو يعمل الأعمال الآب الحال فيا هو اللي بيتكلم كلام الذي أكلمكم به لست أتكلم به من نفسي مش أنا اللي بقول الكلام ده 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 صوت الآب فيا وأيضا الأعمال التي أعملها الآب الحال فيا هو بيعمل الأعمال هو أنت شفت حد يقدر يمشي على المية شفت حد يقدر يشبع الجموع من خمس خبزات سمكتين شفت حد يقدر يفتح حنين مولود أعمى شفت حد يقدر يقيم من الأموات شفت حد يقدر يخرج شياطين شفت حد يقدر يهد الريح فتهدأ هو دي أي إنسان يقدر يعمل كده ده أنا مرة قلت مغفورة لك خطاياك للمفلوك وقلت لكم لكي تعلموا أن لابن الإنسان سلطانا على الأرض أن يغفر الخطايا قلت للمفلوك قوم احمل سريرك وامشي بمعقولة لو أنا مش ابن للآب ولا أنا والآب مش واحد كان لما اقول له مغفوره لك خطاياك وبعدين اقول له قوم احمل سريره ويمشي كان هيقوم يحمل سريره ويمشي هو الاب كان هيوافق على التجديف لو كان ده تجديف ومن له سلطان ان يغفر الخطايا غير الابن والله وبعدين ربنا راح تدور كده من فيلب من فيلبس وبص لكل التلاميذ وقال لهم صدقوني اني في الاب والاب فيا ده أساس مهم في المسيحية المسيحية أي نعم هي المسيحية هي ديانة توحيد ولكنها أيضا ديانة تثليف 
يعني احيانا بنركز قوي قوي على ان الله واحد وننسى ان الله ثالوث ما يميز المسيحية عن اي ديانة اخرى ان المسيحية عرفت ان الله الحقيقي هو ثالوث اب واب وروح قدس عش كده ربنا يعني اكأنه بدرجة التلاميذ بيقولهم صدقوني ده الايمان اللي هتتبني عليه المسيحية اني في الاب والاب فيا ولو مش مصدقين الشهادة بتاعتي صدقوني لسبب الاعمال نفسها وبعدين ربنا في اية 12 لهم الحق الحق اقول لكم من يؤمن بي فالاعمال التي انا اعملها يعملها هو ايضا ويعمل اعظم منها لاني ماض الى ابي فهنا المسيح بيقول لهم انا ماضي الى الاب لكن انتوا هتكملوا رسالتي على الارض هتكملوا رسالتي انكم تبشروا بالخلاص للناس تقولوا لهم الطريق الى السماء اتفتح ليكم منازل عند الاب اقبل المسيح واقبل الخلاص عشان يبقى ليك منزل عند الاب وزي ما انا كنت بعمل الاعمال دي عشان الناس تؤمن وتصدق انا ساعطيكم هذا السلطان لكي تعملوا هذه الاعمال الاعمال التي انا اعملها يعملها هو ايضا كل الاعمال اللي انا بعملها هيعملها هو تلاميذ مش كده لا تلاميذ مثلا شافوا مرضى اقاموا موتى بودرس اقام طبيثة وبولس الرسول اقام افتيخس وقالوا مش كده بس بل ويعمل اعظم منها لان ماضي الى الاب يعمل اعظم منها مش لان احنا اعظم من الاب من الابن لا لكن لان الابن دلوقتي جالس عن يمين الاب فمن خلال عمله فينا وخلال الروح القدس اللي فينا بيعمل اعمال اعظم من خلال الكنيسة اللي هي جسد المسيح فزي شفنا مثلا الجبل المقطم اتنقل في فترة خدمة المسيح على الارض ثلاث سنين عمل اعمال كتيرة ولكن عمله لم ينتهي بصعوده للسماء بل من خلال الكنيسة سيعمل اعمال اعظم من خلال الكنيسة عشان الناس تؤمن وهنا قال مهما سألتم باسمي فذلك افعله ليتمجد الاب بالابن يعني ايه سألتم باسمي مش مجرد نقول بالمسيح يسوع ربنا مش مجرد نقول بالنعمة ورقفات وحبة البشر اللواتي لابنك الوحيد ربنا وله سألتم باسمي يعني كل ما نفعله نفعله لمجد الثالوث القدوس لمجد الله سألتم باسمي كل ما نفعله نفعله لانتشار الملكوت سألتم باسمي معناها لا لمجد شخص مهما سألتم باسمي فذلك أفعله سألتم باسمي 
ان تكونوا تقبلوا ارادة الله الاب وتفعل ارادة الله الاب في حياتك لا ارادتك الشخصية ان سألتم شيئا باسمي فاني افعله وهنا ليتمجد الاب بالابن يتمجد الاب بالابن فكل ما نفعله هنا على الارض لكي نعطي المجد لله يعني نعطي المجد لله نعطي المجد لله يعني إرادة الله ومشيئة الله تتحقق ده يمجد ربنا طب وما هي مشيئته يريد أن كل يخلصون إلى معرفة الحق يقولون فكل ما نفعله في انتشار الملكوت ليمجد ربنا من أجل خلاص العالم هنا ربنا هيفعله إن سألتم شيئا باسمي فإني أفعل جاني سؤالين بيقول لماذا نمنع أنفسنا ككنيسة أرثوذكسية من تنفيذ الأمر الإلهي اشفوا مرضى طهروا برس اخرجوا شياطين والمؤيد بالآية 12 إصحاح 14 من إنجيل يوحنا لماذا لا يوجد معجزات شفاء في كنيستنا الرب قال من الثمار تعرف الشجرة والرب طالبنا بشفاء المرضى والسر مسحة المرضى تحول إلى تقليد نتبعه ولكن غير مفعل هل العب فينا؟ هل العب في الكهنة؟ هل هذا طبيعي؟ هل يوجد عيب أو مشكلة من الأساس؟ الأول مين قال إن احنا بنمنع أنفسنا تما كان عايش وسطنا البابا كيريلوس السادس وصنع كثير من المعجزات وغيره من القديسين المعصرين بس الحقيقة يمكن صاحب السؤال متلخبط ما بين مواهب الروح وثمر الروح يعني حتى استخدام من الثمرة تعرف الشجرة لازم تفرق ما بين مواهب الروح وثمر الروح لما ربنا قال اشفوا مرضى طهروا برس دي مواهب أعطيت للكنيسة لم تعطى لكل فرد ولكن أعطيت للكنيسة عمتا زي ما نقرأ في كورنسس الأولى إصحة 12 أما من جهة المواهب الروحية فهنا كان بيتكلم على المواهب فيقول في عدد 8 لواحد يعطى بالروح كلام حكمة ولآخر كلام علم بحسب الروح الواحد ولآخر إيمان بالروح الواحد ولآخر مواهب شفاء بالروح الواحد ولآخر ما قالش وللكل مواهب شفاء يبقى إذن هذه المعجزات اللي بتتكلم عنها بتعطى حسب إرادة الله بولس الرسول قال كده ولآخر عمل قوات ولآخر نبوة ولآخر تمييز أرواح ولآخر أنواع ألسنة ولآخر ترجمة ألسنة ما قالش للكل وعين خلي بالك بقى أي 11 ولكن هذه كلها يعملها الروح الواحد روح الواحد بعينه قاسما لكل واحد بمفرده كما يشاء يعني الروح القدس بيقسم المواهب كما من يشاء كما الروح القدس يشاء فروح القدس شاء أن يعطي للبابا كيريلوس مواهب الشفاء الروح القدس شاء أن يعطي للبابا شنودة موهبة التعليم 
كل واحد بيقسم من روح القدس ما يجيش واحد يقول ايه لو انا ما عملتش معجزة فين الثمر يبقى العيب فيا في نفس الاصحاح يقول لعل جميع رعصر لعل جميع انبياء لعل جميع معلمون خلي بالك الايات لعل جميع اصحاب قوات لعل للجميع مواهب شفاء لا مش للجميع لعل جميع تكلمون بالسنه لعل جميع يترجمون دي المواهب لكن حضرتك ملخبط ما بين المواهب وما بين ثمر الروح كده قال جدوا للمواهب ولكن أريكم طريقا أفضل إيه الطريق الأفضل؟ قال بص إن كنت أتكلم بألسنة الناس والملائكة دي موهبة ولكن ليس لي محبة ده ثمر الروح بيت نحاس يطن أو صنجن يرين إن كان لي نبوة وأعلم جميع الأسرار وكل علم ولي الإيمان حتى أنقر الجبال دي معجزة معجزات هي واحد بينقل الجبال ولكن ليس لي محبة الثمر لست شيئا إن أطعمت كل أموالي خدمة ونشاط وسلمت جزت حتى احترق ولكن ليس لي محبة فلا أنتفع يبقى إذا من ثمارهم تعرفونهم الآية اللي حضرتك بتقولها هنا الثمر ليست المعجزات لأن أنا ممكن أكون بنقل الجبال ولكن لست شيئا ممكن أكون بسلم جزت حتى يحترق ولكن لست شيئا ممكن أكون بتكلم بألسنة ولست شيئا ممكن أكون بخرج شياطين ولكن لست شيئا إنما اللي يبين لما المسيح قال من ثمارهم تعرفونهم اللي يبين إن أنا فعلا في ثمر الروح غلطية خمسة اثنين وعشرين يقول وأما ثمر الروح فهو محبة فرح سلام طول أنا لطف صلاح إيمان وداعة تعفف ده السيد المسيح في العز على الجبل في متى إصحاح سبعة لو حضرتك لسه معتقد أن الثمر هو المعجزات يقول كده هيجي ناس في آية 22 يا رب يا رب أليس بإسمك تنبأنا بإسمك أخرجنا شياطين بإسمك صنعنا قوات كثيرة فحينئذ أصرح لهم إني لم أعرفكم قط اذهبوا عني يا فعل الإثم يا حبيبي الثمر مش في المعجزات أما سر مسحة المرضى أساسا هو للشفاء الروحي أساسا للشفاء الروحي علشان كده في طلبة من الطلبات في طلبة اللي بنختم بها الصلاة الأولى نقول يا رب احنا بنطلب لشفاء هذا الإنسان وعدين في جملة كده مكتوب في الفوت نوت تقال سرا مش عارف ليه بس أقول لكم ليه بيقول كده ولكن إن أردت أن تأخذ روحه فليكن ذلك على أيدي ملائكة نورانيين يدخلونه إلى فردوس النعيم طبعا يعني مش عقول أبو نور حصل الواحد في البيت ويقول له إن كنت هتأخذ روح يا رب يعني عشان كده يقولك تقال سرا لكن بتقال سواء سمعتوها ما سمعتوهاش بنقولها يبقى إذن الهدف من سر مسحة المرضى هو الشفاء الروحي هو ده الأساس ولكن لو ربنا عايز يعطي الشفاء الجسدي هيعطي الشفاء الجسدي فما تقولش إن السر غير مفعل لا السر مفعل والروح القدس موجود ويعمل في السر 
مش صح انك تقول السر مش مفعل في سؤال تاني بيقول عندما قال المسيح لا لأعمل مشيئتي بل مشيئة الذي أرسلني هل في هذا يعني أنه يمكن أن تكون له مشيئة مختلفة أو ثانية هذه الآية يعتمد عليها قائلين بالمشيئتين شوف حبيبي أنت ملخبط ما بين الطبيعتين والمشيئتين في شخص المسيح وما بين الآب والإب الناس اللي بتكلموا على الطبيعتين والمشيئتين بتكلموا على الإبن الإبن فقط إن الإبن في طبيعة إنسانية وطبيعة إلهية ولأن في طبيعة إنسانية وطبيعة إلهية فبيقول إذن في مشيئة إنسانية وفي مشيئة إلهية يبقى في طبيعتين ومشيئتين لكن تعليم الكنيسة أن الطبيعة الإنسانية والطبيعة الإلهية اتحدوا مع بعض فإحنا دلوقتي ما بنتكلمش على طبيعتين بنتكلم على طبيعة واحدة لإبن الله المتجسد وفي هذه الطبيعة الواحدة توجد مشيئة واحدة أما الآب والابن والروح القدس دول الثلاث أقانين ففي مشيئة للآب وفي مشيئة للابن فالمشيئتين اللي انت بتتكلم عليهم اللي بيقولوها دي على المسيح نفسه على الابن المتجسد لكن في مشيئة للآب وفي مشيئة للابن ولكن الابن عارف ده مش معناه فيه تعارض بين مشيئة الآب ومشيئة الابن زي ولد بيثق في أبوه ثقة تمام ثقة كاملة فالابن يقول لأبوه يقول له اللي انت هتعمله أنا هعمله واللي انت هتقول عليه أنا هنفذه من غير مناقشة ده مش معناه ان هي مشيئته تتعارض لا ده الحب والثقة اللي موجودة بتخلي ان الابن يسلم تماما مشيئته لمشيئة ابيه ده اللي يقصد المسيح فهنا المسيح مش كان بيتكلم على المشيئتين الطبيعية الانسانية والالهية في شخصه لان المسيح بطبيعة واحدة بعد الاتحاد لكن هنا بيتكلم على مشيئته كابن ومشيئة الاب ارجو يكون النقطة دي واضحة فرق بين مشيئة الابن ومشيئة الاب وبين الناس اللي بيتكلموا على مشيئتين في الابن لإلهنا المجد الدائم إلى الأبد آمين